Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash acast, and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash acast. Hello and welcome to the Motormouth podcast with me, Tim Sylvie, and Tom OF1, who's standing in for Harry Benjamin while he's out on commentary duties. This is the place where we meet a figure from the world of motorsport and dive into their lives and careers, often uncovering truths you never knew existed. We've sat down with Formula One drivers, team principals, touring car stars, Le Mans and IndyCar winners, famous broadcasters, content creators, and pioneers, all to make sure that you get behind the visor and hear from the world's biggest and most interesting names. If there's anyone with a story to tell, they usually tell it right here. Check us out at motormouth.club, download our app, check out our regular Motormouth kart race where you can race alongside the stars and support our partners at Movember and the Brain Tumor Charity, and don't forget, please subscribe to our show, leave a review. It really makes a difference. Find us on all the major podcast channels. In the meantime, sit back, relax, and enjoy the chat. Hello, everyone. Tim Sylvie here. Today, Tom and I are chatting with new Envision racing driver, Sebastian Buemi, a man who's raced in Formula One, Formula E, the World Endurance Championship, and loads more. We last had him on the show back in April 2020, so it's a pleasure to have him back to talk about his new race seat, what he really thinks of the Gen 3 Formula E car, his hopes for next season, and of course, the final round of the World Endurance Championship where he's got a chance to take the title. We also cover why his fiery personality helps him on track and where we might see him in the future. A massive, massive thanks to Bryony and the rest of the guys at the Envision Racing team for allowing us Seb's time. We're already planning on having his teammate Nick Cassidy back on the show as well. But for now, sit back, relax, and enjoy the chat. Before we get into it, a really quick message. This show has grown into something far bigger than we ever imagined. It's been a huge honor to chat with F1 world champions like Nico Rosberg, legends like Mario Andretti, Jody Schechter, and Gerhard Berger. People right at the top of the sport like the brilliant Gunter Steiner and current stars like Alex Albon, Lucas Degrassi, and Tatiana Calderon. It really is a privilege. But without you, we wouldn't be able to continue. And without sponsors, we couldn't bring you the stories from the inner workings of the sport we all love. With that in mind, I'm over the moon to have F1 Experiences back with us to support the show for season 13. 
It's really important to us that we align with brands that are relevant and can add value to you. F1 Experience's official experience, hospitality and travel program of Formula One. And it's the closest thing you can get to the pinnacle of motorsport. You can book with them today. With F1 Experience's official ticket packages coming direct from Formula One, you can get unique access that simply isn't available anywhere else. For more information on how you can book your F1 Experience, visit f1experiences.com, where you can also save 5% on your very own F1 Experience package by using the code MMPODCAST when checking out online. Good things come to those who listen to the Motormouth Podcast. Don't say we don't treat you well. So, what are you waiting for? The 2023 F1 season will be here before you know it, so go get booking your F1 experience today with f1experiences.com. All right, let's get back to Sebastian. Uh, it's great to have you back. We actually had you on in April 2020, um, unbelievably. It's, I can't believe we've been going that long, and that was back in about episode 19. So if anyone wants to go back and hear the full backstory of um, Sebastian's career and how he got to the top of racing, go back into our archives, check out episode 19 and you can hear all about that. But with that in mind, knowing that we've covered all that before, we're going to focus very much on recent history and the present. Um, and as I said, you've recently been announced as the new driver for Envision Racing, replacing Robin Frines, lining up alongside very talented Kiwi Nick Cassidy. Um, before we come on to that, um, you joined from Nissan Edams, a team you've been with since forever, um, even going back to their Renault days. Now that you've left the team, let's tear them apart. No, no, we're not going to do that. How, <laughs> how do you look back at your time there? It must have been a big decision to leave after so long. You won the championship with them. You've obviously got a close relationship. What was it like actually parting ways? Yeah, obviously the last two seasons have, have been difficult. Uh, I'm sure you could you could see that. We've homologated a portrait that obviously... Uh, was not not really good enough, and we knew we knew the limitation. But unfortunately, there was not much we we could do. Uh, the rules have basically changed since COVID, where you had to homologate it for two seasons. So we got stuck with what we had. And yeah, I, I would say that my season seven, so not not last season, the year before, was not 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 good from my side. But last year, I feel like I've done a decent job considering the limitation we've had. So. Yeah, I just just felt like you know the team has changed a huge amount. It's now basically fully uh, Nissan team. Where before we had uh, the the Edams team, obviously um, you know working together with Renault and then with Nissan. So things have basically changed drastically over the the last few years. And uh, yeah, I just felt like you know at the end of the day you need to be competitive uh, in motorsport, and I'm I'm not there just to participate. You know, I want to being a good car with a, a good team. And it's true, you know, we, we don't know how it's going to be next year. And obviously maybe Nissan will have a great car, but uh, I, I'm really happy to be joining Envision. They've been fighting at the front since the very beginning. They are one of the most successful teams. So I uh, obviously can't wait to, to be fully uh, part of the team and, and driving Valencia for the winter testing. That must be really tough to, um, especially going into such a huge regulation change where the cars are completely different for next year, to, to kind of hedge your bets with a team that you think are going to be successful. Like, what what things are you as a driver looking at to try and make that decision? Because like you say, you, you don't know what's going to happen. You don't know where each team are going to be competitive compared to everyone else, right? Yeah, so... Um... If you look in details, obviously, Envision, uh, we're going to have the Jaguar powertrain, 
And if you look at the trend, Jaguar has been stronger, stronger since the very beginning. Obviously, they had a tough, uh, a tough start. I think in season three, if I, if I, if I'm right. And then obviously they got better and better, and they've been fighting for the championship for the last two seasons. Obviously, as you said, now we go to the Gen three. It's a totally different car. But um, you know, I've been there with the people. I've seen it, and I, I'm quite confident that. You know, it's always hard to say whether we're going to be competitive, but they are trying. They are at least trying very, very hard. So, uh, yeah. you know, I'm I'm happy to be to be part of Envision. I think Envision has done a a great job in the past to just run very well the car they had. Obviously, if you look at their results in comparison to Audi in season five, six, and and seven, they were very good. So, um, again, uh, it's one of the particularity of of Formula E is that. It's possible to be in a private team or not a manufacturer and still beat them and fight at the front. We've seen this year with Venturi. We've seen in the past with Envision. Um, so I'm, you know, I feel like I'm I'm at the right place. Let's just make sure we do the the job on the track. Yeah, I, they're a team I know pretty well. I've done a lot of work with um, some of the guys at Envision Racing, and I've worked with with Sylvain Felipe um, and and one of their sponsors called Genpact, who I expect a company that you all end up getting fairly involved with. Um, they've got a lovely setup at, at Silverstone, opposite the F1 track. There, um, how did the seat come about? And just give our our audience an insight into how those conversations, in terms of moving teams, manifest. Like, do you get a phone call? Does a manager call you? Do you get an email? Like, how do you go from one team to another? What's the process that that happens? Um, it depends, you know. It it fully depends. I signed with Nissan. Uh, I mean, with Edams back in the day because I knew Jean Paul and we met at the FIA ceremony, and that's how we started speaking. In that case, with with Envision, I remember quite well. I was at Star for the WEC, and I spoke to Nick, and Nick said, yeah, "But Robin's leaving. Uh, what, what what do you think? Do you, do you have a? Are you signed for next year?" And they were kind of all convinced I would basically stay. Everyone was convinced I was staying there, when actually I was not. And uh, uh, and then basically Nick gave me the the number of Sylvain, which I, I think I, I also had had it, but uh, just gave it back to me in case. And then we just spoke on the phone, and in a matter of one week, uh, it was all signed and decided. So, so they they basically sent Nick Cassidy out into the world and went, Nick, go go and get creepy with with Sebastian. And- <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I don't think so. I just think like Nick is a good guy, you know, and. Uh, I think he wants his team to be as strong as possible, and and obviously he was at the work for for the the GTE arm, and we we discussed like that, and that's how things happen. But uh, obviously, I, I kind of feel like every time it's different, it's every time a different story. But somehow, this one was quite nice. And you know, by the way, I know Envision since season one. Obviously, the it used to be Virgin, but now I know Sylvan since the very beginning. So um, at the end of the day. Um, you know, we, we, we know each other well, so when we discussed on the phone, it went quite quick. Yeah, who, who needs an agent or a manager when you've just got other drivers, right, yeah. I suppose? Because, I mean, I mean, with Nick Cassidy, like, he's had quite a, um, you know, I've been following his career quite closely um, in terms of, you know, done a bit of Super Formula in Japan, obviously done a lot of, you know, Le Mans stuff and, and now Formula E. Um, like, how do you look at Nick as a as a teammate? You know, do you have a kind of good relationship there with him? Yeah, I I think he's a he's a great guy. You know, he's he's really strong, really successful. 
Um, I think when he was in Super Formula, he was a teammate of Nakajima. Yeah. And Nakajima was my teammate in uh, in WEC. So nice. We, we, we spoke a bit about Nick back, back, back in those days, you know, that we were quite similar on the radio. So we had a good, good laugh about that. But uh, I think he's a, he's a great guy. He's quite young. He's been competitive. Um, so I'm, I'm happy, obviously, to be joining someone like him in, in Envision. He knows the team well. Um, and I'm just going to try, you know, to, to help as much as I can. <clears throat> bring the, the good stuff I, I know and make it a strong team. You know, I think in terms of lineup, we should be quite good. So we'll obviously see how things evolve. But, you know, um, you need good drivers, you need a good car, you need a good, a good team. And if you don't have all those three things, it's difficult to win. So um, we're working hard and we'll see where it brings us. Now, <clears throat> um, Envision Racing, uh, very into well sylvan leads from the front in terms of sustainability climate change and so on um they, they call themselves the greenest team on the greenest grid just on that sustainability side of things how important is that to the drivers and to you specifically it is that a is that a, a factor when you look at race teams or, or is it just a byproduct of the series that you're in how, how deeply do you think about the climate change side of things I think I've evolved quite a lot. First of all, when I joined Formula E, I didn't know much about climate change. I didn't know much about what we could do and how bad it, it was. I just joined the championship because I felt like I was going to be in a good team and I would be able to fight at the front. I didn't know how the championship would, would evolve. But it's true that throughout the years, I've learned more and more. And I feel like it's a good platform, Formula E, because I think sports always helps in trying to change people's minds, uh, in trying to understand that climate change is a real issue and we should act. And then I also have now two kids and somehow you, you see the world maybe a bit differently, you know, and um, uh, I'm really happy, obviously, to be joining Envision. They are doing a huge amount and I feel like they have their own identity, totally different to the rest, the color scheme, the fact that they are really into the, the, the climate change, proposing many, many things on their homepage, the pledge, you know, um, about the climate change. So as a, as a dad now, I feel like it's it's nice to be part of the team. And on top of that, my one of my kids loves the green, like you, you can't believe. So it's a green car, green overall. Uh, so I'm obviously really happy to be um, to be part of the team. It's, it's a cool livery and it's going to be on a... Well, I guess we'll leave it up to, to you to decide whether it's a cool-looking car or not. We've discussed this a lot. What do you, first of all, what do you make of the look of the Gem 3 cars? And then beyond the aesthetics, what are the main kind of changes of these cars? You can tell by yeah, the smile so, what he thinks of the look of the, the Gen 3 car. Yeah, so I was not uh, I was not really a fan to start with, I have to say, you know, I'll tell you the truth. Um. Somehow, I feel like, you know, I'm, I'm never a fan, like I was not a fan of the Gen 2. And then more I see it, and I see driving, and the more I get used to it, you know. So maybe I'm not a good good person talking about the looks, <laughs> because I uh, something I don't like, maybe in a few months' time, I'm going to like it. Yeah. So somehow, yeah, the, the Gen 3, I, I, I didn't like it much to start with. And now I've been in Varano, we had different cars, different teams driving. So I could, I could see the cars, you know, not only me driving it and, and seeing it static. I found that it looks quite 
different and and quite quite good. So I'm I'm looking forward to sit with the the full livery on the proper racetrack and sit on TV as well. You know because I feel like it's um, that's how you you can really judge it. But uh, obviously it's it's different, and I feel like every change at the beginning that I have to accept. Like when we had the halo for the first time, I didn't like it, and now somehow it doesn't bother yeah. me anymore. I wouldn't say it looks good, but it doesn't bother me. So I guess we will see it. And the good thing with the color scheme is that you recognize the car quite easily. You know, a uh, couple of years ago with the Audi, the Nissan, the Porsche, the Mahindra, they were all kind of red. It was really difficult to to recognize them. So at least the Envision cars, quite confident, um, we're going to see them. I think it looks okay. Like I, 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 I really didn't like the look of it when it came out. You know, I was fully on board with the whole paper airplane thing. But now I've started to see them on track and photographs and looking at it more and more. You just become familiar with it. It's like the, you know, when they changed the F1 logo and everyone was like, oh my God, you've ruined Formula One. And now you, you can't imagine. It's objectively into- so much yeah. better than the F1 logo as well. But that, that's, I guess, the thing with the new cars, right? It's, we're talking about it. Like, yeah. I guess that's kind of part of it. And I guess from Seb's point of view as well, as long as, as, long as it looks good in your rear view mirror, that's all you need to worry about, right? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I mean, as long as it's fast, the rest I don't really care at the end. <laughs> But on on you know the the looks are one thing, but the the performance of it is a big step up, isn't it? I mean, we're we're looking at a seriously improved car. Can you just talk people through some of the the main changes that we're going to see with the Gen Three car in terms of its actual performance? A very quick interruption to the show to remind you to check out our sponsors at F1 Experiences. F1 Experiences offer a wide range of packages that come direct from Formula One, giving you a unique experience of the pinnacle of motorsport. Official ticket packages come with the very best race tickets, first-class hotels and transfers, and unprecedented access, including driver appearances, private pit lane walks, behind-the-scenes tours of the illustrious F1 paddock, team garages, the famous podium, and loads more. It's the closest you can get to Formula One, and thanks to F1 Experiences, Motormouth listeners can get 5% off your next F1 Experiences package by using the code MM podcast when booking online at f1experiences.com right let's get back to seb and what he thinks of those gen 3 cars yes so for the first time in the history of motorsport there will be a a front motor on 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 the front axle of a single seater so it's basically a four-wheel drive when you when you brake so the idea of that is that basically you're going to recover a lot more energy than before because you're going to brake with the front motor and then thanks to that, they were able to make the battery a lot smaller. Just because you're going to recover more energy, you don't need a battery as big as what we used to have. So even so, the front motor weighs uh, a bit of weight. It's still going to bring down the weight of the car by 60, 60 kilos, I think, which is, you know, considering it's going to be a much faster car because we're going to have more than 100, 100 kilowatts more uh, in quality mode. Um, four-wheel drive when we brake, so it's going to be lighter, a bit smaller as well, because the idea was to make it slightly better for the street tracks. But I think it's something like 10 centimeters narrower, and it's going to be 60 kilos lighter. So altogether, it should be should be a big difference. Um, it's always hard to say until we go exactly to the same tracks, like in in Mexico. But I accept expect a good good gain in terms of lap time and then we see it in monaco we see it in berlin in a few of the tracks that we are used to go have you um 
have you driven it at all yet, or do you have like a simulator version? No, I've, I've driven it already uh, twice, and it's uh, it's quite powerful. So uh, <laughs> it, it's it's gonna look interesting, you know. It's I think you're gonna see the difference on TV. Honestly, you're gonna see that it accelerates much stronger, much faster. So um, to be honest, I I think it's gonna it's gonna be cool. You know, some of the tracks might need a few changes, but I guess we we we'll see that once they um, unveil the the circuits. But uh, it's it's gonna be it's gonna be good, you know. So uh, um, just expect good racing. We don't have the covered wheels on the front anymore. It may be slightly less efficient, but the good thing is that maybe there will be less contact as yeah. well because now you you can crash more easily, you damage the car more easily. So somehow for the racing, it might be even better. And Formula E historically is very, very close. You can have the top, well, you can have the whole grid separated by very, very tiny amounts of time. With the Gen 3 changes coming in, there's some really tight timelines in terms of development and getting everything complete and ready for testing in Valencia and then the, uh, the season starting itself. Do you think that will lead to a wider performance gap? And we'll, we'll see those very historically tight times starting to increase a little bit, particularly as at the start of the Gen 3 era. Do you think we'll see a bit more, you know, the, the cream rising to the top, um, you know, rather than just anybody having the opportunity to win a race? It's, it's hard to say. From what we've seen in Valencia, in Varano, uh, we had the test uh, with all the teams. It was quite, it was quite close. Closer than I thought. Right. Um, the fact that you, a lot of the car is the same for everyone. You can only focus on the rear motor. Uh, even so, even the front motor is the same for everyone. So people are just getting better and better at, at, at making it. And the gap between the teams is less and less. So, of course, I would say that the beginning will be crucial, but maybe more in terms of re reability, in terms of finding out how to use the energy in the most efficient way, understanding the tires. Maybe there, in that kind of part, we will have slightly more differences between the team. But I expect as soon as everyone will, will get in control of those different points, that it will go, it will go down. It will go down to um, similar to what we had in Gen 2. I don't expect bigger gaps after a while. Maybe the beginning, as I said, but then not, not after. And, and when you look at that Formula E grid and a lot of these drivers you'd have driven against for many, many years, is there anyone who really stands out to you from kind of a competitor point of view as being maybe, I don't know, you're, you're like biggest rival or a driver you, you're particularly happy when you get one over on, you know? It's hard. It's hard to say because I've been racing some of those guys for nearly 20 years now, so in different categories, but... Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 
Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Obviously, with Lucas, we've had um, a lot of fighting at the beginning of Formula E up to season four or five, and a bit less after. Um but, you know, we move on. So I'm always happy when I beat them, you know. I'm happy when I beat the young guns as well because, you know, you, you still want to show that you, you've you got it, you know, <laughs> even if uh, young people are, are coming into the championship. But uh, I don't I don't have any particular names, you know, other than Lucas at the beginning or left. Uh, but what, what I want is to win, you know. I don't care who's right behind at the end of the day. And... You've you said there you've raced against some of these guys for twenty years. It's it's hard to nearly it's, it's, not not yet, well, but no, but nearly. It, it, you, yes, I'm actually some, some I did yeah. because and, I was you, racing go kart with some yeah. of those guys for. But you're yeah. still only you're in your early thirties, right? How old are you? Thirty three. I'm thirty three. Yeah, thirty three. But I, I've been. You've been around forever. I've been, yeah, I've been racing in go kart in two thousand and two with some of those guys. You know, yeah. uh, so. Yeah, you, you, it yeah. feels like you've been part of the motorsport landscape for a long, long time. It's hard to be... I mean, you've still got a long time left. You're sort of in your prime as far as racing driver goes. It's weird. You sort of... I sort of think look at you and think... I don't look at you and think you're old. <laughs> but, <laughs> but because you've been in the sport so long, I sort of think, well, he must be coming to the end of his career. But you're not. You're literally coming into, into the, the highlight of it. Um, but what sort of driver are you? I mean, we, we've, ha- we've seen you... Um, Sebastian, I'm sure you won't mind me saying, you wear your heart on your sleeve. You've had your moments where you've got out of a car and, you know, you've, you've been pumped up. Do you, do you think that kind of fire has helped you in your career? Do you think that's, that kind of drive and emotion is important as a racing driver? It's, it's hard to say because everyone is a bit different and react differently to different situations. But in my case, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm like that. So I... I think you're referring to Canada 2017. I might be. Sure, but, yeah, maybe. But um, somehow, I, yeah, I've maybe changed a bit since then. I'm, I'm trying to be a bit more calm, you know, trying to learn from some of the mistakes, you know, and realizing that some of that stuff is not necessarily making me faster, you know, even if on the on the heat of the moment, it just feels nice, you know. But uh, um, so, no, I... I yeah, I think I'm like that, you know, and I feel like it, it fueled me ever since, you know, I'm I'm fighting when I'm in a race and I, I feel like that's the way I am. So I, I feel like it actually helps me, but somehow I try to, you know, improve the edges, let's say, and, and, and just somehow get the benefit of it and not the negative that goes with it, you know. Hmm. And over your career, like, like I mean, I completely agree with Tim. It feels like you've been kind of around forever. And you can, we can see from your background that the, the variety of different cars that you've driven over your career. Is there any particular series um, out there that you've not raced in that one day you would particularly like to? Or would you feel quite content if it was just the series that you've, you've already competed in? 
Yeah, <clears throat> I'm I'm really happy with what I'm currently doing because I'm doing the work. I'm doing uh, Formula E. I did Formula One. Of course, I wouldn't mind trying other things like IndyCar. I quite like it. I like the racing in America. I've done just a couple of races in in the US in endurance, and I just like the way they go racing there. Um, so I would not mind racing in IMSA or even IndyCar if I could, but. Somehow, in you know, in a realistic way, what I'm doing right now with Toyota and, and, and Formula E with Envision and Red Bull in F1 is fine. And if I can do it for a few more years and then it's too late to do something else, I'll, I'll be happy. You know, I, I did not have to necessarily go to America to to find a drive. So I'm, I'm happy with what I have, but for sure I wouldn't mind trying those different cars. I can, I can say see you in IndyCar. I mean, winning the Indy 500 or something like that, you know, having done Formula One, WEC, Formula E, IndyCar feels like it needs to be on that list. The Indy 500, you've won Le Mans, you know, let's let's just let's wrap the Indy 500 in there as well. That's got to be an appealing proposition, isn't it? Yeah, it is. But somehow, you know, there's lots of complexity around it. The fact that I've, I'm racing with those guys, I have long-term contracts, I'm happy to be here, I have my family here. Um, things need to come together if you want to move there, you know. Uh, True. I wouldn't be able to do work here and in IndyCar there. Both things, the three things may have to stop and then you try to go there. So somehow I don't see it as a realistic option, but of course if I had the opportunity, it would be kind of nice. Yeah, I suppose it's a big it's a big upheaval, isn't it? So you would, to give it, everything you'd have to move your family to the states and that that is a big a big big commitment but you you mentioned the world endurance championship there um let's let's turn our attention to that um you're in a good position heading into um bahrain a track you know very very well you you must be feeling pretty confident um for the uh for the finale of the world endurance championship yeah if there is one category where i never feel confident is somehow in the wc because <laughs> the fact that it's a long endurance race and the fact that I retired in Le Mans in 2016 in the last lap while leading, you know, wow. somehow it, it always yeah. reminds me from the fact that even if on paper you do a better job, even if on the track you do a better job, things can just stop before the end. And and I know it, it can stop in Formula E and I can have problem in F1. You know, I mean, you can have problem everywhere, but somehow I don't know. I'm Maybe I've been a bit traumatized by that, you know. So Fair enough. Even if I do end up doing a good job until I cross the checkered flag, I'm still, you know, be concerned and fully focused, let's say. Yeah, because, I mean, how are those, um, those WEC cars compared to F1 and compared to Formula E? What are the kind of biggest differences characteristic-wise? And what would you say you enjoy driving the most out of those three types of car? So in LMP1, I just enjoyed the car because the car was amazing. It had a roof and was 870 kilos, uh, 1,000 horsepower, even more. And on some of the tracks, we were like six, seven seconds of uh, F1 and faster than the GP2 or F2, uh, which is pretty impressive. And, you know, uh, I learned a huge amount about fuel efficiency, fuel cuts, and recovery, things that have helped me at the beginning of Formula E, because even so, the cars are totally different. The philosophy was the same, so I was able to apply lots of things like that. And I feel like a little bit of the domination we've had with the EDAMs back then 
was although thanks to all the knowledge I had from a different category. Um, obviously, F1 remains an amazing car, the pinnacle of motorsport, the fastest cars. They are really fast in high-speed corners on the straights, but now they're becoming quite heavy as well, you know, compared to the cars I've driven uh, in 2008, 9, and 10. Um, but as a, as a kid, obviously, Formula 1 remains, I would say, the, the dream. Um, now the, the hypercars are a bit different to what LMP1 used to be. It's, it's a much heavier car. It's not as fast anymore. It's quite fast on the straight, but not so fast in the corners. Um, it's the regulation has been designed to attract lots of manufacturer, which it, it did because from next year onward we'll have lots of amazing brands. So I think competition is more important than just the overall lap time and the driver's feeling. So even so, the cars don't feel as nice as the LMP1 did. Uh, competition is there, and I'm really going to enjoy that once we have more than Peugeot. I mean, the likes of Porsche and Ferrari and Cadillac and all those guys coming up, Lamborghini, Alpine in 2024. Yeah. Uh, and then Formula E, obviously, it's a single-seater. Most of the racetrack are uh, city tracks where you have to adapt, you have to be close to the walls. So you you, you really feel like it's different dimension in terms of driving. You have to be fully focused. You have to combine all the efficiency knowledge uh, I've gathered over the last few years and the single-seater driving style where you have to be close to the walls and take risks, you know. So it's it's a sprint race of 45 minutes, and I, I enjoy doing both. I feel like it's a good combination, and I, I also feel like both of them are helping me out, you know. Work somehow helps me on lots of things in Formula E, and Formula E helps me to stay sharp and, and focused and, you know, get the, the sprint the sprint mind in, in the head and not only the endurance one. Yeah, I mean, looking ahead to next year in, in WEC, it's hugely exciting. As you say, you've got the likes of Ferrari and Porsche coming in. It's the centenary year of the 24 hours of Le Mans. It's going to be a big, big year. It's it's a, it's going to change. Things are going to change with these new manufacturers coming in. It's going to be a more competitive championship than ever. Um, we've got a new round as well. How excited are you for next year? You've got to be pretty pumped for it. Yeah, uh, I feel like few years ago, WEC felt like it was going to be dead, you know, and somehow a few years later, it's going to be amazing again. And obviously, a few years back, everyone was going into Formula E, so... I feel extremely lucky that I had the opportunity to do both for the, the whole period and, and, and still to continue. Um, I'm looking forward to it next year. I think it's going to be amazing. Maybe the only downside is the fact that we're going to have this BOP in the, the main category. As a racing driver, you are never really a friend of that. I, I prefer sometimes potentially to lose because we didn't do a good enough job than to have that BOP effect in the in, in the sport, but but I think that was a very important factor in trying to attract people to the championship. And I think it's still better to have the BOP and have eight, nine, ten manufacturers turning up in, uh, to Le Mans than to be on your own or just with one uh, and no BOP. So at the end okay. of the day, I think it's, it's going to be amazing. It's a new era for, for endurance. And hopefully it's going to last for a long time, you know. So for anyone listening who doesn't know, like, what exactly does that, so the BIP's balance of performance, right? Like, what exactly does that do practically? What is, how does that change the cars? So to, to make it very simple, it is supposed to put all the cars at a similar speed technically. 
So whether you've built a great car or a bad car, you're going to have similar performances at the end. So that was first introduced in GTs, because in GTs, you were basically taking the road car and making it into a GT, and the fact of having potentially a front uh, a front engine or a central engine, that were massive differences, and it required the BOP. Right now, it, it, it takes a little bit away the merit. Uh, if you've done a good job, you're not going to get an advantage of it. If you spent a lot of money, it doesn't necessarily translate into more success. But at least if you have less money and your car is not so good, on paper, you can. it's going to make it good. You know, So it's going to put the field very close to each other and maybe better for competition. But yeah, a bit less into uh, the merit yeah. kind of uh, the I sport. Don't, I don't know how I feel about that, partic- particularly at that level of racing where... It's, a, it's not just about the driver. It, the technology race is part of the interest, isn't it? People, people like to see who's, who's creating the best car as well as putting the best driver in it. So it seems a bit of a shame to me. Um, now, we're, we're coming towards the end of our time with you. We did want to touch quickly on Formula One, not necessarily your career in Formula One, but how you see the current Formula One landscape. It seems like, from a fan perspective, it's in a pretty good health um, they're doing some great things. We're seeing some great racing. They're, they're trying to be more sustainable. Um, we've got Max Verstappen, obviously, being absolutely astonishingly good at the moment. What, what do you make of current Formula One? Do you still watch? Are you still a fan? Yeah, obviously, I'm nearly every week in, in Red Bull. I'm going to be, be at the week uh, on Thursday and Friday in, in Red Bull for the simulator, next week as well for the Mexican Grand Prix. So, to, to be honest, I obviously follow Formula One very closely. I was in Japan uh, for the race. Um, yeah, I feel like Formula One is doing amazingly well. Uh, it has lots of fans. It's booming in the US. Uh, obviously, Verstappen is doing great. They have the budget cap now in place. You see that there are a lot of sponsors coming into the sports, more fans. Um, it, the budget cap is supposed to help in a few years' time, making sure. Um, more teams will be able to fight for the win, or at least you know be closer to each other. So I think it's it's very it's very healthy for motorsport when Formula One does well, and I think it does very well. So you know, can't wait to to see how things develop and obviously see where Verstappen will will go. You know, because he's winning so much, and I think it's there to is there for for a while. So uh, it's going to continue to win. So let's see, let's see what. Um, what we can see. And, and, uh, uh, and I've got to ask about Nick DeVries, obviously a guy you've raced against uh, for numerous seasons in Formula E. Um, how do you think he'll do? Because you've raced in Formula 1, so you know what it takes. And having raced against him in Formula E, do you think he's going to, you know, take to the AlphaTauri team? How's he going to, do you think he's going to outperform Sonoda as well, his teammate? Obviously, Sonoda will be in his third season. He knows Formula 1. He's been there for a while. Um, you know, the team. So for sure in that aspect, uh, it's not going to be so easy. But I, I know I know Nick now since a long time. I think he's, he's, a, he's a great driver. He's quite aggressive. He's fast. Maybe one of the good things is that he comes into Formula 1 being quite quite old in a way because I think he's going to be maybe 28 when, when he starts. Or 20. Yeah. So let's say yeah. today, today it's considered as... It's quite old, but on the other side, yeah, you will have lots of experience. He's done Formula E, some endurance racing, he's done F2. 
he's won everywhere he's gone. So I think he is very well equipped to go and, and do a good job in F1. But then bottom line, what will depend is also how good the car is. You know, that's going to be very important. But I, I, I feel like in terms of a driver's perspective, he, he's got all the tools and the experience required to do a good job. Yeah, absolutely. Now, um, we're nearly at the end. We have three final questions which we're going to fire to you, um, which are brought to us by our sponsors at F1 Experiences. Um, apologies if you can hear any drilling in the background, by the way. My neighbours are having the cheek to getting an extension to their house and they're bashing around all over the place. <laughs> I will be having words. Um, I'll kick off with the first of our three questions. And I'm, gonna, I'm gonna, actually going to change it up a bit because we, we had you on the show previously. Um, we've asked you some of these questions before. So I'm, I'm going to change the second question, Tom. So why don't you go first with, with our first usual okay. question and I'll hit a new one for the second one. Sounds good. All right. So, Seb, what in life has you excited at the moment? In life, you mean? In, yeah, it could be in, could be racing or life generally. Anything. Um, well, I'd say uh, the racing in general. You know, the fact of driving that gentry car. I just drove it two times, and I just done like two laps with the uh, three fifty kilowatts. But just really excited. I'm doing more of those laps with the full power, and really feel like how it feels to have so much power and. You know, going to Bahrain and trying to win the World Championship for a third time in work, that kind of gets me excited right now. Yeah. Oh, God. I, I'm hugely excited for that. Um, right. The second question, um, we, you've, I've asked you our usual second question before, so I'm going to change it. What is the, your favourite of, out of all the race cars you've driven over the years, right back to your junior categories? What's been your favourite race car? It's hard to... to Big one. Um, <clears throat> I've driven a test with the Red Bull Formula One car from 2009, end of 2009, and it had a double diffuser and a blown diffuser with the exhaust. It was pretty impressive the amount of grip you were getting at very slow speed, and you were it was hard to wheel spin with a Formula One car, basically, because you were generating so much downforce at very low speed, which is not really the case right now. You generate lots of downforce, but at high speed. So artificially, you had lots of downforce at very low speed, and it was pretty impressive to drive a car where you can't, I mean, a Formula One car where you, you cannot really wheel spin the tires anymore. Yeah, mm. good choice. That's an Adrian Newey masterclass, that oh. one, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> um, and then final question. Uh, Seb, what are you scared of? A few things, but I mean, in, in terms of motorsport, I'd say to not be fast enough, basically. That's maybe, or not to win, you know. I cannot really compete if I don't win. Uh, it's, it's really hard to accept. So maybe, yeah, maybe the fact of not being fast enough or not, not winning races, it's, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that works. It's, it, it reminds me that we were talking to Ferdinand Hatsberg um, a couple of weeks ago, and he, he said something around um, racing that really put it into perspective for me. And you say there about you know not winning races. He, he, one of his concerns was weirdly winning races because you're especially at his stage of his career. He's a, he's a little bit younger. He's still up and coming, and he's like every time I win a race, he thinks really deeply about stuff. He's like I'm crushing some other young driver's dreams. I'm stopping that that other young driver from reaching the top. I was like, I've never I've never thought of it like that before. What an unusual 
stance for a, for a racing driver to take that one of your <laughs> one of your genuine fears is that you're you're breaking the hearts of of your competitors. I was like, wow, that's I've never yeah. I've never heard it spun like that before. But I think um, it's much more common to be afraid of of not winning. And uh, and Touchwood will see you win in Bahrain. We'll see you in a successful Envision racing car in uh, season nine. And uh, hopefully see you uh, perhaps in IndyCar or some other form of racing in the future. But for now, thanks so much for joining us for the second time. And we'll look forward to seeing you in a paddock soon. Okay, thank you very much, guys. Thanks so much for your time. Good chat, man. All the best. Take care. Before you go, one final reminder to check out F1 Experiences, the official experience, hospitality and travel program of Formula One. F1 Experiences is the closest you can get to the sport. Official ticket packages, which include the best race tickets, first-class hotels, travel and exclusive behind-the-scenes access across a Grand Prix weekend. F1 Experiences offer packages like no other. So, to book your F1 Experiences package, head online to f1experiences.com And if you enter the code MMPODCAST, you'll get 5% off as well. Thank you so much for listening to the Motormouth Podcast. Do make sure you give us a follow on our socials, Twitter at Motormouth underscore, Instagram at Motormouth underscore official, and Facebook, just search Motormouth. You can also download the Motormouth app where you can get exclusive video content from MMTV, create your own social profile to interact with other fans, and check up on all the latest happenings with whatever motorsport takes your fancy. We're also proud to be supporting the Brain Tumor Charity too, so make sure you check the link in the podcast description to find out how you can help cure brain tumors quicker don't forget to like subscribe and review and until next time you've been listening to the motormouth podcast Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 